because I believe science might offer an answer to the curse of the Bambino. Why someone took so long to hire that guy is beyond me. Anybody who's not tearing their team down right now and rebuilding it using your model, they're dinosaurs. One of the great things about money is it, it buys a lot of things. One of which is the luxury to disregard what baseball likes, doesn't like, what baseball thinks, doesn't think. <laughs> it's a threatening, not just a way of doing business, but, it's, but in their minds, it's a threatening game. How can you not be romantic about baseball? All right, welcome to another Baseball Ops podcast. I'm Brent Porcio. I'm flying solo today. Got to do a great interview. We're going to bring on Daryl Coulter. Pretty excited about this. You know, one thing... It's top velocity, you know, this is, I've always focused on player development, uh, really off-season development, you know, where we're building performance or we're enhancing performance, we're working on velocity, we're working on uh, consistency, we're working on recovery, um, and, and then we're working on the same time, injury prevention, big pieces, you know, to cover in your off-season to give you more potential to, to have a better season or, or to move up ranks and also to maybe stay healthier through the year. You know, obviously high demand for this. Been doing this for 11 years and been working really well. Helped a lot of guys all the way up to the major league level. Worked with some major league organizations. But I don't really get into uh, the a lot of preseason, in-season, pitch command, pitch uh, pitchability stuff, you know, so I, you know, I don't sit here. I don't talk pitches. I don't talk, um, strategies with hitters. I don't talk spin rates. I don't talk much out of hand or what I like to call knowledge of results. I don't really spend a lot of time on, Hey, what, uh, what kind of spin rate do we get out of there? No, I mean, of course, then do we do talk about the results of velocity and consistency biomechanically, but a lot of it falls into the lines more of the knowledge of performance. Like, you know, how are you performing? Like, how is your body moving? Is, are your hips rotating? Is your, how are you, know, your legs driving your hips well? It was just because there's a ton of data there that I've really focused in on. And also at the same time too, know that baseball really hasn't you know, spent, I'd say professional baseball, major league baseball hasn't really spent a lot of time, you know, recording a lot of that data and making it public. So that's really been my niche and, and then I love it and, and I'll always keep doing it. But Daryl really comes in and helps cover um, how to effectively take that consistent, efficient ground up kinetic chain delivery that we build at top velocity and get it ready in competition to help you with your mindset to set up with hitters and uh, attack your season and you know so there's a lot of great things he offers he really kind of helps bridge the gap between your off season um to to end season but don't get me wrong I do spend a lot of time with guys in the end season you know it's, you know some of the major league pitchers I've worked with I, I stay right there with them programming through the year you know when they feel like they need a little more performance um we we, we make a big you know, change in their program. If, if they feel like they've got some soreness going on, we make some changes. So, um, you know, I work really hard in season with a lot of these guys to maintain performance and maintain health. Uh, once again, big pieces to the puzzle, but I don't really spend the time on, on mindsets, on, on pitch strategies and stuff like that. I have. I've talked with that with hitters, but I tell them it's not my expertise. But it's amazing. Just the efforts that I've taken and, and really – giving them good programming to keep their performance up, to keep their, their body healthies, uh, healthy has, uh, has improved knowledge of results. Meaning, you know, if you look at 
the guys I've worked with on the major league level, a lot of them have stayed the same, um, you know, because they were good pitchers or uh, they got better. Um, so it's, you know, obviously too, I really have felt if I had a little bit more help on the end of uh, pitch strategies, pitchability, stuff like that, it would be even better. And that's why I'm bringing in Daryl. So I'm pretty excited about this. He really knows what he's doing. He's worked uh, with all levels of pitchers. He's a minor league, ex-minor league player himself and really, really understands how mindset drives pitchability, uh, your ability to to take your uh, what you have, take what top velocities helped you develop and, and really uh, compete with it and you know, be effective with it. And that, that's the key. So pretty excited about this interview. It's a, it's kind of a long one. So here we go. Let's get started. All right. Pretty excited to have Daryl Coulter here. We kind of go back a little bit with, um, with, uh, what we, what we both do, uh, working with pitchers. Uh, I met Daryl, uh, I'd say, what was it, Daryl? It was six, seven years ago. Do you remember? Yeah, I think it was 2010, 2011, somewhere in that time frame. Yeah. And you came down to camp and you're an ex minor leaguer and really just interested in player development. And, um, you know, we, we shared a lot of good information together. You felt you, you, you know, you have a, a lot to offer, uh, with a lot of your experience, a lot of your, your hard work specifically over the past six or seven years since, since I met you. And, uh, we, we shared a lot in common and you really feel a void, uh, outside of what, I think what what I'm known for here in player development, which is really performance enhancement, um, you know, injury prevention, uh, you really have fallen onto the side of pitchability, which I don't really get that much into. And I've learned a lot from you over the years is just how well you prepare pitchers for, for season, you know, that, you know, pre-competition, competition training. Um, I mean, I, I want you to kind of describe it yourself, but that's really where I see what you've done really well. Um, and I think you're, if not uh, the best, you're one of the best that I've heard uh, when it comes to really mindset and, and pitchability. So um, did I, did I good, do a good job introducing you? Yeah, man, you did fine. That's one of those things that, first of all, Brent, I'm excited to be on your podcast, man, to share with your audience. I love what you do. I know that you're passionate and you care. And, and man, I'm right there with you. Yeah, I think I've taken a different approach. I've tried to look at it from, honestly, truly the individual pitcher development aspect. And so when we start framing it that way, a lot of times in today's baseball world, it can go a hundred different ways. But the way I've kind of went back in, in what I call deconstructing, you know, pitch command, and so when we start looking at how we honestly execute pitches consistently, then we've, we've fallen into the trap, I think, that, that it's become purely based on physical capabilities. And even though those of us that are deeper in the game and, and understand the one-on-one -on -one relationship that we have with the, the pitchers that we work with, when we start talking about individual pitcher development, sometimes it scares off a lot of people because – the baseball guys are more into how do I manage my team? How do I manage a pitching staff? And then I think the approach that, that you and I have kind of took a deeper dive into is how do we develop the individual pitcher? So 
the perspective that I've came to over the last eight or 10 years was really from about 2008, 2009. I started researching why first, second, third round draft picks who were the can't miss guys, the most physically capable guys, I call it, of, of that year's draft. How come they're consistently wasn't making it to the big leagues? And so once I started taking a deeper dive into that and start looking at the physical aspects of it, the mental aspects of it, then really what it led me to was two different aspects that I started really studying, what I call the, the intellectual interest of each pitcher and then how emotionally invested that these individual pitchers are. And so when we started doing that, those are also the pieces that, that most coaches call the intangibles or the things that, that we can't measure and I've taken a different approach, man. I think we can measure it. I think it, I think it just means that we got to have real relationships with these athletes and we're not going to be able to just shove these cookie cutter programs or mindsets and cliches or motivational quotes, whatever you want to call it. I'm not opposed to any of that, but at the same time, I think we've kind of got off track about what the real true mental side of pitching is. And so that's what I've kind of done with my start program. I tried to create uh, a framework and a and a mindset for for each individual pitcher that truly is a process. It ain't just something that we cliche throw at them that day in and day out they get up and they have a specific plan of what they need to do that day. And that's kind of what it stands for. Specific thoughts and actions required today and tomorrow. It's kind of the the mindset process program that I use with my pitchers. And and so far, man, I've been blessed. I've had some great pitchers and and they've bought into it slowly, and, and we've had some success, man. So it's been pretty cool. Yeah, and I think, unfortunately, the there's a conventional wisdom with a lot of coaches that, you know, if, if you're – if you specialize too much in a specific aspect of pitching, like, um, you know, st- strength and conditioning or uh, mechanics – uh, or um, just intent, you know, or, or the mental aspect that for some reason you're not a good pitching coach. I think people think you have to like you're better being a jack of all trades as a pitching coach as opposed to a master of of some specific component. And I think you know that's what I try to do. I've tried to master player development on the aspects of performance enhancement, injury prevention. You're working to master uh, the mindset, the pr- mental preparation you know, uh, the pitchability aspect of it. But, but at the same time, too, we're both open-minded to understanding that, you know, we're, we're specializing in a, in a specific component, uh, and, and there's, there's more pieces to the puzzle. And I think that's what makes this work. I think uh, the conventional wisdom of these coaches that think you have to be a jack-of-all-trades uh, and you can't, you can't specialize, I think, um, I think that's wrong, and I think that's where a lot of kids get lost, specifically in their local pitching coaches, uh, would you say? Yeah, I think what happened is we've we've turned development into what we understand. And so as coaches, and, and again, I get it. It's a, it's a bias that we all have. We're all products of our environment. We're all products of, of what we self-identify with. But when we start looking at the individual pitcher, the individual player, then there's two pieces that I've seen over the last few years that, that bother me, Brent, to be honest with you. One is, is at the pro level, we got the baseball guys versus the data guys. And so now we've taken the, the player development piece, the minor league piece of it, 
And instead of us looking at them as individual players that are to be developed, that each one of their each one of their tool sets and skill sets can be developed, we've almost taken that that player development is a problem to be solved. And when we start looking at humans as problems to be solved at any level of life, more or less as athletes, then there's going to be some what I call conditional confidence. So now all of a sudden. Everything I do is based on external validation. So with the guys I work with, we need that. Don't get me wrong. It's part of scouting. It's part of recruiting. It's a part of everyday life. You're not going to get away from the comparison mindset stuff, man. That's life. It's going to happen. But at the same time, when we truly want to develop and continue to grow pitchers, then we can't look at them like every issue they have that don't compare to a major league pitcher or a current major league comparable is a problem. Because what happens then is as coaches or as instructors or doctors or whoever's looking at them, all of a sudden now they think that they can just change this kid and it don't affect their confidence or it don't affect what they've done up to this point that they believe in or they trust in. And so we do. We almost look at these pitchers like they're clay and like we can just start shaping them into whoever we want to, never mind what they think, feel or believe. And so I've kind of taken a different approach, man. I've looked at it from the pitcher first. And so I want the baseball guys. I want the tradition and culture. I want these guys to manage the game. And at the same time, I can use the data that the data guys are giving us. But it's got to be, you know, in conjunction with actually what this pitcher intellectually understands and how they intellectually prepared for the other team and for each individual hitter. And so when I teach pitching, it's not just a mindset, man. It's pitch command. Pitch command is do you intellectually understand how you throw your pitches by velocity and movement to a specific location? And so it's not muscle memory. Now, muscle memory can play a part in it. Physical conditioning plays a part in it. But I look at the physical conditioning piece of it like a prerequisite. But what I really want is about 50 or 60 percent buy-in. I'm not looking for 100% buy-in into my philosophy. I want these young men to really start buying in to what they what their true capability is. And then we can go and reach out to guys like you and guys that understand how to keep these guys healthy or how to get them in the best physical shape of their life. And now when we're throwing bullpens, we're throwing bullpens based on what they're physically capable of doing. Instead of these kids feeling like there's something out there that they got to go achieve or there's some problem that's that they're that there's some issue that they're lacking or some problem that's yet to be solved. And so I think when we reframe pitch command into I understand how I throw my pitches by velocity movement to a specific location. Now, all of a sudden, it becomes individual. Instead of me having these generic comparisons about this kid throws 93, this kid throws 97. Now let's honestly talk about executing pitches. And so I think we see it. When I started doing my pro clients and and all of it is confidential because I don't want to have the debate in public about the things that these kids are telling me. And I want to have a real relationship where they'll tell me honest to God truth what's wrong. And most of the time they'll tell me that they don't understand truly how the physical aspects of what they do syncs up to what I call the pre-pitch routine. When they get on that mound and they step in and, and they look in and get the sign from the catcher, that first thought, Brent, is what has made every pitcher that's ever played baseball unique, man. 
every one of us has been different when we've climbed up the back of that rubber and stepped on the got to sign from the catcher. So that first thought, man, is going to be the heart and soul of pitch command. So now what we've done up to that point is either intellectually prepared these young pitchers to face the hitter that day or we haven't. But when we see the, the mechanics break down or we see the mental components break down, most of the time it's because it's been emotionally hijacked that these young pitchers just didn't physically and, and mentally lose it in, in two innings ago. That now they've seen that there's, a, there's some uh, circumstance or some situation they found themselves in they're not familiar with, man. So when we can start developing the intellectual side of this, and again, man, this ain't IQ or this ain't trying to be some woo-woo goofy crap, man. This is about legit these kids understanding how they throw their pitches, man. And when they do that, now we can start preparing for what the hitter is trying to do to them. And guess what we have, man? Now we have the collective complete pitcher out there, and now the chess match of pitching has honestly started. And so, man, that's the fun piece of it. The kids that buy into this really start to see baseball for what it should be, which is a competition, man. It should, it's not just about how hard or can I throw the piss out of it today, man. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. And, and I feel like there might be a little push and shove between yep. kind of the, the guys maybe a little bit like me or trying to like get them to be more mechanical. Sure. Uh, to understand their movements their and understand how their training's affecting that. And then guys like you are like going, Hey, like I got to get these guys to be able to perform and be, have confidence to perform. And, and, you know, a lot of times coming out of their training, they, they haven't developed that. But, but I think in the middle, we're both trying to do the same thing. I mean, yep. if, if there's an analogy behind it, I look at it like a sharpshooter, right? A sharpshooter, he needs to know his hardware as much as he needs to know you know, I guess you could say a software yep. or his mindset on how he's going to succeed in his in his skill, which is shooting. Yep. You know, he's got to know his gun. He's got to know how his gun works, how to load his gun, how his gun best fires, how to aim his scope. But then at that point, he's got to have the mindset to stay calm, to focus on his target, yeah. um, and, and under pressure uh, perform. So I, I think we we I think our two camps can push and shove, kind of. When, when it comes to the core of what we do, but when we when we know we have to work together, yep. I think we can really work together well uh, because at the end of the day, if the focus is to help the kid, make the kid better, yes, um, and not make the kid someone he's not, you know, that then then we will we can get things done effectively for the kid. Yeah, and I and I don't want that to be missed in this man. That we need each other. This is not a matter of. Uh, Republican Democrat, that polarity stuff that drives me crazy today that that right. everybody wants to hang on that it's either or and it's really not man we're in this together but the 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 focus has got to be on the player and that and that I'm not talking from an entitlement piece I'm talking from a pure engagement piece if we want these kids to be emotionally invested into you know the team success and their individual success and and then the coach's success or the organization's success then then we need to understand how that truly happens and so them trusting their physical capabilities that they trust their mechanics yeah i want that to be a habit i want that to be what i call conditional habits man that once they step on the mound that it just becomes a conditional habit they're not actively thinking about it but they know that they've done the work that, you know, that you guys do with them to get them physically capable to go pitch today. 
And so I think what we want to make sure of is when we're having conversations with parents and these young athletes is that we're not confusing them any worse than it is that we're helping tie those two worlds together or three worlds together or however you want to place it. But the physical mental aspects of it, I think is vital, but I think there's a, an intellectual component to pitch command that we've kind of left out. And because it goes, it moves away from me managing a pitching staff to me, honestly, having to look at each individual pitcher and make sure that they're throwing the bullpens and that they understand how they're throwing their pitches, man. And if we do that, then I think it does. It gets uh, it gets us back to that win, win, win that everybody's looking for, man. So let's get into some of the nuts and bolts. So sure. someone, you know, those listening yeah. can take advantage of your knowledge. So say they come from me and, yep. you know, we've got, they're healthy, they're, they're strong, they're powerful, yep. things are syncing up. They're in a good place. They just haven't, uh, they haven't spent a lot of time in a bullpen because they've been training yep. and now they're ready to, to really hone the skill and prepare it for the game. Like get, take them through the process of what you do when you first got that athlete. Well, the first thing that I want to do is make sure that that they're truly intellectually interested in baseball, that it's not just something they're physically good at, that they want to play, they're interested in playing, and that that it's not based on a parent or some external influence that's that's really kind of making them feel obligated to play. And so once we have that emotional and that intellectual commitment, then we start talking about pitching. I want to know, what, can they explain how they throw their pitches? And so when we sit down and have these first conversations and, and you tell me you throw a two-seam fastball, man, and I say, okay, then how much does your ball move? Where do you start it at? What is the consistency of it? And, and when we start having these conversations, people think, well, that's just generic baseball. No, man. At some point in time, if I look at Brent and I come in and I watch you throw uh, a 25 or 30-pitch bullpen, man, I'm not fixing anything you're doing these first two or three bullpens. I want to see if you know what you're doing. And I think what happens, man, is when we get them into these, these lesson environments and we pull them into that, the first thing we want to do is fix them. We, we got to try to identify a problem to justify our job or to try to figure out why I can, mm -hmm. can really lay out my philosophy to them. So I want to know if they can explain how they throw their pitches. And I do this with pro guys all the time. And it blow your mind that, you know what, that a lot of these guys are phenomenal athletes that throw 97, 98 miles an hour. And, and honestly, their game plan is whatever the catcher puts down. And so that's a huge red flag to me, man. If you don't intellectually understand how you throw your pitches, then how are we ever going to either, one, learn anything new, or two, move what I call from learning practice into performance practice? And so when we start testing this out, man, every bullpen we have is unique, and there's two processes that I want them to go through. I want them to know what I call the, the absolute certainty framework. And so when I'm working with guys, man, I tell them confidence is for kids. That confidence is a physical thing, and it's conditional most of the time. And most of the athletes I have, that if if some external uh, if they don't get the external validation they need, that it crushes their confidence. And so when we move past confidence and we go into what I call certainty and absolute certainty, now it becomes truly brand about you understanding you. So when we start talking about this, and it does, man, this is usually a conversation that has to happen over three weeks, four weeks, or a month, because most of the time, the stuff that I talk about is so different than what they've got from coaches. 
And it's so focused truly on what they understand that if we're going to create a plan for them, and I know you do the same thing. If you're going to come down there and you've never lifted weights before, you're going to go back and show them technique before you ever start talking about your philosophy or talking Mm -hmm. about how you want to implement this. And that's the same thing I do. I want them to understand that, that every pitcher in the world is different, man. Every pitcher moves different. And so if we don't understand how we throw our pitches by grip, wrist, and forearm angle, and we don't understand the rhythm, tempo, and timing of our mechanics, and we don't understand that how I take it from the bullpen to the game mound is an intellectual place. And that's where I really started digging into this intellectual advantage piece because when I had guys that could throw bullpens and they they were just lights out in the bullpen and then can't cross that white line and do it in a real game, it's not a competitiveness issue. Most of the time it's an intellectual preparation piece. They don't, they, they get out on the mound and they don't understand what the hitter is trying to do to them. And so when they sit there and they throw their best pitches and these hitters are tattooing their best pitches, they have no idea how to intellectually make that adjustment. So when I start sitting down with them, I explain to them, man, their brain ain't nothing but images, patterns, and experiences. And so when we're throwing bullpens, man, it don't know if it's the seventh game of the World Series or if you're sitting down in December throwing a, you know, a preseason bullpen. So when we start framing it from that point of view, Brent, we can start looking at it from an individual piece. Now we can honestly start charting bullpens. Now we can start talking about how does your two-seam fastball honestly move? And then when this hitter is looking for your two-seamer in this spot, how do I move it? And so the heart of what I try to do with pitch command, man, is honestly is I want them to see that pitch for real in their mind. When that catcher puts a sign down, I want them to see how that pitch is going to move by velocity and movement to that location. And then on the back side of that, that I want them to make real-time adjustments. That when we sit here and start talking about pitching and we start talking about preparation, then how we throw our bullpens is going to be one of those things that defines how we pitch in the game, man. And so it don't it don't make sense to me that we sit here and throw mindless bullpens no more than it probably makes sense to you that the guys just show up and they're just half butt in their workouts that day. That, you know what, if we're going to get something out of this, man, then we're going to have to tie it together. And so with that, man, I go through and we do, I call them, uh, we measure every pitching related activity they have. And so I can take the physical stuff that you do, the strength conditioning, the recovery, the arm care, dynamic warmups, all that stuff. And I integrate it into what I call their start process, man. So every day when we get up, whether it's in season, preseason or, or off season, then we look through what, what am I, what is my specific thoughts and actions required today? And so that's when we lay it out. When we get that piece of it right, then I can sit here. If I have an issue with a strength issue, I can reach out to you. If I have a, an issue with a, a coaching issue, man, or a relationship issue, then there is times that, um, that I'll recommend certain people for them to talk to. But outside of that, man, when we're talking pitch command, Brent, we got to just get serious about bullpens. And when we start talking about bullpens, it's about that that we understand exactly how we throw our pitches, man. And and most of the time, most of these young pitchers can't explain that to me. 
So are you having them journal a lot? I mean, where's a lot of your feedback? Is it just you talking or is there like recording? Like you said, yep. charting pitches. I yep. mean, is it, are they charting feelings yep. and thoughts and stuff? No question, man. We, when we tie this together, they, we want to understand exactly the process. And so when we get to this point, man, and they only have to do it for four or five minutes a day. But when we start charting bullpens, once we get past and here, I'll just reset. We go into learning practice, man. Learning practice is you walk into me and say, Daryl, I need a two-seam fastball. You know, I can throw 97 straight, but my ball don't move. So when I get to that piece of it, then I sit here and we start with, just like you would, man, what's a grip, wrist, and forearm angle? What am I trying to do? And then I'm going to start with the end result in mind. So that's we're going to deconstruct how we're going to execute that pitch. And so when we start laying that out, then I know mechanically I don't want nothing changing. I know rhythm tempo time, uh, tempo wise, uh, arm speed, arm action. I don't want nothing to change. I just literally want the grip wrist and forearm angle to change. So now when we start preparing that piece of it and we start throwing the first four five, six pitches like that, then while we're learning, man, I don't want to chart it. I don't want to track the learning piece of it while they're learning the feel, the release point to staying into, uh, again, man, the rhythm, tempo, and timing of the pitch. And once we start getting past that learning piece, we're starting to see them dial it in. They're keeping it in and in the zone. Then we'll start tracking that bullpen. And, again, I think we make we make this way more complicated than it has to be, but we just aren't specific enough in what we're tracking. And so when we start tracking specific things, then it's amazing how we'll get the, the intentional specific results we want. But when we're not tracking what we specifically want, then we just get these random results. And guess what, man? It's not a coincidence. And so once these guys can can get into that habit of of writing down, man, what are they thinking, how they feeling honestly, man? And not in this this woo-woo stuff, but literally, what were they thinking, how they feeling? Then over the course of, of six to eight weeks, as we work through this whole process, they'll start to see where what you do, what I do, what the coaches do, what the data guys are doing, how all of that integrates together into their pitching plan. And I think that's the piece that we do. But when I start tracking bullpens, it's really specific by velocity and movement to a location. And then is that's the piece that I want to know if they can repeat. So instead of me focused on repeat mechanics or me sitting here trying to say, can we consistently locate this pitch? No, man, we're going to track it by velocity and movement to a location. And then once they're able to start moving that pitch on purpose, now in the game when I need to move that pitch from in and out of the strike zone or outside or inside the strike zone, then they understand how the grip wrist forearm angle, rhythm, tempo, timing of their mechanics and, the, and how that all syncs together and to for pitch command for them to execute that pitch and so again man i know this is kind of of getting a little bit deep man or diving down into it but when we sit here and honestly want to know what's wrong with most pitchers it's that they don't understand how they throw their pitches for real they can explain how their movement patterns work because they've seen it 500 times on video man and so they can understand how they sit here and and do every physical aspect of it but when they step on that rubber and get the sign from the catcher, that first thought, man, has to be intentionally trained. And if they don't get that piece right, man, I don't care what kind of physical capability they have, then they're going to struggle eventually whenever they start leveling up against hitters that are actually intellectually preparing to hit off of them.
And that's what we see. Most of my clients come from that arena, man, where they got released at spring training or they got bounced from big league camp. And, and all of a sudden now, man, they're seeing sports psychologists or seeing all this stuff and they've just lost their mind basically. And so when they get to that piece of it, when we start reframing it and they're healthy, like you stated earlier, then the only piece that's missing is what they're thinking when that catcher puts the sign down. And so once we get that piece right, man, and we get that intellectually tied into what they're capable of, man, it's a game changer, brother. It really is. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of kids out there need to understand <clears throat> when you're going into your season and you have any anxiety about preparation, um, you know, if you are losing confidence because you see the other team uh, when it comes to ability, you know, if you don't feel – if you're worried that am I talented enough to be here or yep. am I prepared enough to – to take advantage of my, my skill or my talents. I think that's just cause you haven't prepared enough. And I think really, you know, the big picture here is, uh, is, is what we're learning is preparing. Like is, yep. is, have you practiced this? Have you yep. put yourself in game situations to, to throw your best pitches? Uh, you know, have you done that uh, enough before going into your season? I think the answer would be on most guys. No. I mean, do you ever do that with your guys? Do you ever sit down and say, you know, is it, is it ever a question? How prepared are you? How prepared have you been in the past every going into each and every game? No question. Every time. That's the conversation that we have. Because no matter how good you are, if you're not prepared, and I know as coaches, man, I hate this. I hate cliches as much as the next guy. Because we got a tendency to say, you know, whoever prepares the most wins the most or whatever. And we got a tendency to tell these kids what to do. We just don't tell them how to do it. And so because it takes time. And a lot of coaches, honestly, don't have time in practice to do it. The ones that are actually running the team don't have that time to do it. But we got this we got this habit of just saying, hey, here's what you ought to be doing. Here's here's what the other team's going to be doing to you. And here's what they they like to seeing fastballs. Well, man, I every pitcher I got's got a different movement on their two seeing fastballs. Some of them cut, some of them run, some of them sink, some of them dive. And so when I say, hey, man, we're going to pound them with two seeing fastballs. Well, one guy's two seeing fastballs might be exactly what they're looking for and the next guy's two seamer it's a sinker and guess what man they gets a totally different outcome than what the kid that threw the day before through and so when we start looking at individual development and it does it takes time this is the piece brent i love about the data guys because the data guys can give us that feedback and and when i'm really teaching pitch command to kids that understand how they throw their pitches then I don't pitch away from hitter strengths. I want that pitcher to show that hitter the first 20 feet, what that hitter thinks is his strength. Then I want it to move the last two feet to a weakness, to, to a cold spot. And I think what happens more often than not is we start going back and tracking it. And I used it with Cabrera, one of my pro guys the other day. Cabrera hits 400 when he's behind in the count with balls outside of the strike zone. Because he knows that guys probably ain't coming in the strike zone. So when they're up, when it's 0-2 or 1-2, or then most of the time they're going to try to get him out up and away or down and in. But if you go check out his, uh, his hot zones, he hits 400 with the balls down and in at his feet and the balls up and away. And that's because we've taught kids to pitch away from them when they're ahead in the count. 
instead mm-hmm. of showing strengths and moving it to weaknesses. And so we can reframe just a couple little things, Brent, man. This ain't like rocket science, man, where we're trying to rechange the way baseball is done. But I do think we got to change the intentionality of our bullpens and the specifics for how each one of these pitchers throw their pitches. And I think we can track that, man, and not add any additional time to practice time. It just means that we got to do a little more prep time before practice. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the mental preparation is huge um, across the board. And I think, like you said, that's the first thing. The first question you ask is like, you know, do you how how much do you want? How devoted are you to this game? How much? You know, what what are your goals and dreams and aspirations? Because yeah, if you know, I I mean, I deal with it all the way up. Tell you truth, with major leaguers, I've had major leaguers where they made some money and they're just really not into it anymore. And they're 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 a challenge to work with because. Uh, they're they're just not hungry all the time, and yep. the point is, is that this sport to be successful now because it's a world sport, you, you have to be extremely talented. Like the the average ball players are barely getting out of high school uh, yep. now. Um, guys yep. playing college professional baseball are extremely talented baseball players. So if your mindset, unless you're just some genetic freak, but if yep. your mindset is, you know, you know, this is fun, but uh, I still like to hang out with my buddies and go on vacation with my family or whatever. Yep. Uh, you know, it's it's hard to work with guys like you because this is hard. And if you're not willing, if you're not hungry and you're not devoted, you're not yep. going to take the time to be extremely talented at this game. No, it's too hard, man. Baseball is too hard. So when we start looking at it from that perspective, man, and, and from my consulting business, that's why I, I, I'm so picky. If I don't like you, man, I ain't working with you anyway because I we ain't going to like each other anyway. And the second piece is, is that this ain't about me, man. That's why this is the piece why I do it confidentially, Brent, to be totally honest with you. I don't ever want any of these guys to think it's about my philosophy or about me. If we can help them organize their thoughts and organize their physical capabilities and, and where they can go out and honestly play and be successful, then we've done then we've done OK. But when we sit here and and now oh, we're going to go in here and kind of frame it into that, that here's my philosophy. And if you don't understand my philosophy, then you're not talented enough to play at this level or, or play for me. At the college level, I get that, man, where they only got two or three years with you and they're not developing players, man. And and we can be just brutally honest about it, man. They're not developing players at the minor league level. It's a business model. They're playing games. And so I'm not knocking them. I'm not hating on them. I'm just telling you the truth. So when we start looking at individual pitcher development for real, then if we ain't starting with what the individual player honestly wants, what I call it the 3D assessment, their desires, and, and, and is it authentic, man? I want to know if, if you're intellectually interested. I want to know your desires. I want to know how emotionally connected and invested you are. And then my last my, – I do a self-awareness assessment with them that I want to know if it's authentic, man. If it's not authentic, because what I do is not cheap. I'm not one of these $97 pitching coaches, man. So when we're going to sit down and and put a plan together, my goal is to get you to the big leagues, man. It's not to sit here and try to figure this piece out. And so whether it's a high school kid trying to get to a JUCO scholarship or whether it's a minor league guy trying to get to the big leagues, if they're not intellectually interested or emotionally invested, man, I don't care 
what kind of talent you have or what kind of program you have, man, it's going to be a struggle at that level, brother. Yeah, I mean, you can pretty much say, and I think it's a big misconception that I wish parents could just get up front. Like, I wish there was a packet we could give every parent that decided to let their kid play baseball. Yep. And that the first page would pretty much say, uh, pretty much understand, please understand that player development really doesn't exist in this game. Because <laughs> no there's a big impression that if I just get to a good high school, if I get to college baseball, where if I definitely make it to pro ball, I'm going to finally get some player development. And that's, that's, I mean, that's incorrect. And it just doesn't work that way. You're going to, I mean, I'm not saying across the board, there's some there falling into it. The problem is, is the, the, the environment, yep. unfortunately in baseball doesn't allow for good player development. And that's why it's not happening. It's not happening because people, they're not as smart as us. Right. I mean, it, it, it's not yeah. happening because the, the environment doesn't allow for it because we play way more than we practice. So yep. when you're on an organ, you're in an organization and specifically the higher you go in the levels of the game in an organization, yep. you are playing more often. And yep. when you're playing more often, you are not in player development and that's the problem. So yep. parents just need to stop kicking the can down the road of saying, oh, my son's going to get to a better team and then they're going to really help him. It doesn't work that way. you got to seek no. people out like Daryl, like myself, like Top Velocity, if you really, really want to help the player or if you are the player and you want to develop. Well, we got a, a – I think we've turned competitive into this emotion. And the truth it ain't, man. Competitiveness is, is – is how prepared you are for competition. What's got to go right for you to be successful that day? And then in sports, man, the rest of that, the second half of competitiveness is, is how you handle the uncertainty. It's how you handle what ain't going right that day and how you make the adjustments and how fast you make the adjustments. And this, and this is an analogy I use, Brent, with guys all the time. I, it, it's like NFL quarterbacks. You know what? You can you can draft the most physically capable, talented guy, the guy that could throw a football 150 yards. But if he can't walk up pre-snap and read the defense, then it don't matter how physically capable it is. If he can't make the the, the pre-snap read, it don't matter. And pitching's the exact same way. When you start leveling up and you're playing against guys that are preparing to hit off of you, and they've been looping every pitch you threw in the clubhouse for the last day. And they know what you're probably going to do and all loving counts against them. Then guess what? How you make that intellectual adjustment in the game is going to be the difference between you sitting here and, and doing the same thing over and over and over again and not having success. Or you going ahead and making that competitive real-time adjustment and honestly moving your pitches to a different location. And so when we simplify it even to that point – then now competition becomes about or competitiveness becomes about how well I honestly prepare and then how do I emotionally handle the uncertainty? So if the shortstop boots the ball, how do I come back? Do I make the next pitch? Do I get the next hitter? See, now all the cliches make sense when we go back and give some context to them. But if we don't give context to them, then as coaches, we're just guilty of telling these kids what they ought to do, but we never truly intellectually explain how to do it. And so then when we don't have the practice time like you just referred to, when we don't have practice time and we just tell them what we want them to do, but we're not showing them how, now we have the collision course of what you're talking about. These kids that are super physically talented, but when it comes to individual pitching skills, they're frustrated, man. And, and once they get frustrated, it's hard to get them down. 
and whether it's the major league level down, just like you said earlier. Yeah, because the problem is, is if you're in an organization or team that is playing consistently, you know, a good amount of games, your team practice is built around team, you know, game preparation. It's not, it can't be individualized yep. because you're close to the game where the team has to come together and uh, perform a, a certain way together to actually make it a good game. So, th that, you know, a lot of these coaches really want their cake and eat it too. They, they want, hey, how do we get this individualized player development into our team yep. uh, when we're always in a team player development environment? So it's like, the, you, I don't know how you could ever have an individual player development environment with a team individual or a team player development environment. So you, 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 the, the team has to decide or find time yep. uh, to, to say, okay, it's individual work today. Everybody's splitting up, going with the coach or in groups. We're not worried about getting on the field and, and running situations and making sure we know how to perform as a team. It's just individual time. And the problem is because we play so much, the team never can do that. So the coaches are looking for uh, their cake and eat it too. And it's, it just doesn't work that way. You know, it's, it's got to be a, a switch in mentality, yep. a switch in the culture if it's really going to work that way. Yeah, and I think us baseball guys got to – we got to acknowledge the paradox of baseball, that it's an individual team sport, that each position is individual. And so we're going to have to either just reframe traditional practice to now that we're going to designate certain times of the week that we're going to do team stuff and game preparation stuff. But the rest of the time is going to be about individual development, whether it's positional or whether it's, um, you know, the each individual pitcher based on role and responsibility. If there's a way of doing it, but it's going to it's going to buck the traditional way of of way we practiced or maybe the way we grew up and and, and done it. And so with that, we're either going to have to take the off season and give these kids permission to either come work out with guys like you and me and do stuff like this. Or we're going to have to take it on as as coaches or head coaches or assistant coaches that we're going to go learn this stuff and we're going to bring it back into that environment where now we can give these kids the individual attention. And it's it's based on each one of them understanding what they do, not based on time. We can manage the time, as, but we got to get that intellectual and and that that piece of what they physically need to be doing day in and day out, we have to get that piece down first, then we can manage it. But in, if we don't, we try managing it without having those aspects right first, then we're going to be confused and, and doing it backwards just like we are now, man. And, you know, that's why at this point in my career, I, we talked about this, Daryl, but I decided to stop pursuing uh, teams or organizations to support them in player development because it just doesn't work. I, I've just I've opted to stay in my little hole here in Louisiana and basically promoting and marketing to players that hey take the time off. Yep. You know walk away from your team, walk away from the season, walk away from an organization, and come down here and work on yourself. You know take take a gap year. The gap year is growing right now. The popularity of kids that are behind athletically and not doing as well and not getting the the scholarship offers that they want. Right. Uh, it, it, it's it's now looking more attractive to to not enroll in college and come down and train at a facility like Top Velocity or or work with someone like Daryl and and just focus on you for a good year and then go back to the game because that's what player development is is taking the time to focus on you your abilities and how you are performing 
within the team. And my just my thing is I don't know what you've decided. My thing is is I'm I'm going to just kind of take take this option and 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 market it in this direction. Yeah. Because I think it's working. I think kids are getting. They're, they're yearning for more of this time off and these gap years to really work on their stuff, you know? Yeah, and I'm pushing that, to be honest with you, man. I'm moving away from the agent work and some of this other stuff and moving more towards the parents and the kids because I think that's the piece. Not only can you grab them earlier and we can kind of flip this mindset around that you were talking about, that we can that development truly is development, that I'm I'm physically as I uh, genetically mature and get through puberty that at the same time, intellectually and emotionally and mentally, I'm developing with it. And I think when we can give these kids permission to step back and do that, it makes a huge difference. And I think you're also seeing now that. The, the pressure, whether it's marketing or whether it's just the environment of college baseball or pro baseball or whatever it is now, our select team baseball, again, I'm not hating on any of them, just being honest, that that pressure feels like, you know, there's this fear of missing out mindset or mentality. Right. And so it's hard to get these kids to step back, even though they know what they're doing right now is not going to get them there. And I have this, I have that conversation, Brent, with more pro guys, and I just want to run my head through a wall. I'm like, then why do you call me if what you're doing right now, you know, ain't going to work, but you keep telling me what we're talking about ain't going to work. Then you tell me what's going to work, brother. You tell me and we'll figure it out from there. And, and most of the time it's just because of all the stuff that we plugged into these kids, man. And they are, it's all coming back. It's all, it's overwhelming and they never take the time to take a deep breath, man, and just kind of to get it refocused and, and, and figure out honestly what they need to do. Yeah. And I, and I, I get the call all the time. I understand the call, but I, I get irritated by it. You know, I just had one today. It's a player or a parent saying, you know, urgent, urgent. Uh, we need to change something. He's in serious pain. Yeah. He's struggling. Um, he's in the middle of a season and I'm, and I'm, and then what can you do? I had a guy who was like, can we come this weekend? We'll pay you a ton of money. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this guy had a lot of money at a private jet. He was going to fly in 20 minutes away in a private airport and come in here and work for a day. And I'm like, look, I- I- I'm really in this to help your son. Yeah, that's this is that's not going to help your son. No, what's going to help your son is taking a better approach yep. uh, next year. <laughs> I mean, yeah. sitting here thinking that in the next couple of weeks, you can get this guy cleaned up and have a great season when I'm wondering what the hell did he do this all this whole last season, yeah. off season to get him here. Uh, isn't isn't going to help him. It's not a quick fix. There's I don't. I've heard, of course, there's situations where guys make a mechanical change sure. in a bullpen, yep. and they felt like that was the pivotal moment that yep. changed their career. Yep. Or for something they, they changed something and they got out of pain. I mean, I I understand those things happen, yep. but you're you're overemphasizing the tweak. The tweak maybe. Um, got your mind back to right. to being effective, but I don't believe it was responsible for changing your game. Uh, it was just probably a shift in your mentality, or it allowed the body to get to a better place where it wasn't constantly reinforcing the pain issue. Yep. But the point is, is 
just because you found that tweak that one time that that's now how player development should work the rest of your career. You know, don't for the next two years going, well, yeah. every time I screw up, I just do some tweaks and it gets better. That's, that's, you're setting yourself up for disaster. So it's like, I just wish I could yell to these parents, yeah. please do not call me in season with an urgent need for player development. It doesn't work that way. No. And I think what happens now, Brent, is that we've automatically, that if a kid's struggling with pitch command, we default that it's some mechanical issue. And, and so what happens is, is coaches go out there and they give these, these 10 cent advice to these kids about, Hey, you need to get your leg up or you need to stay back or you need all this generic cliche coaching advice. That's been there for a hundred years now. And when we get to that point, man, we don't realize that the coach is just trying to do something to get the kid back on track, but the kid literally tries to do what the coach said. And, and now all of a sudden it turns into complete chaos and so when we sit here, honestly, man, and we're going to we're going to default to it's automatically mechanical, then why would we be shocked when after the game and when I go up and ask these kids, hey, man, how to go, how to feel today? Well, my mechanics were off a little bit today. I'm like, what do you mean? How do you know your mechanics are off a little bit today? You know, when your mechanics are on, how do you know they're on? And so that's what I'm talking about earlier when we talk about the intellectual side of it, the mental side of it, or however you want to frame it now, man is if you don't understand what good mechanics are, then everything's based on outcome instead of it being based on execution. See, execution happens pre-pitch. You know what? I see this pitch. I understand how I throw this pitch. Now I'm going to physically execute the pitch. When everything, exactly. when all my confidence is based on the outcome, then that's the conditional piece, I call it. Because as soon as they don't get the outcome they want, they want to default to something physically and most of the time, right. and, and then they're it. just chasing their tail, and they're yep. just chasing their tail. So, and you're right, and, th and that's that's the the vicious, uh, you know, cycle of death in baseball. It's yeah. that's, it's why baseball has more superstitious players than I've ever seen in any other sport. I mean, yep. I grew up in the era of, of Turk Wendell. Yeah. He used to brush his teeth in between innings, eat licorice on the seventh inning, and jump over the foul line every time and yeah. walk around the mound three times. Yeah, I mean. What other sport has a lunatic like that? I mean, I love the guy. Yeah. I'm not calling him. He's crazy. Yeah. It's only because people in this sport, there's so many moving parts. There's so much going yeah. on. They don't know what is going on. And then it becomes a circus. It becomes a superstitious circus to yeah. figure out and manipulate the situation. And it, and that's yeah. and it's amazing to see when someone like Turk Wendell yeah. have that much success because it doesn't work that way. Well, what it shows you, Brent, is that he intellectually knew how to pitch. Now, he had some quirks about him, and it become part of who he was, and so he used it as part of his prepar preparation. That stuff like that, it, it wears you out, but it don't drive me half as crazy as the kids that do that stuff, and they think they pitch well because of it. Now, if right, I went yeah. and asked him and said, hey, man, you know, that was a couple nasty pitches you threw. Why did you throw that? And he said, it's because I brushed my teeth in between innings. <laughs> then, then we would have a problem, man. <laughs> right. You know, but if it's, if it's just a quirk or it's just something he does to stay focused, I don't care. It's the same thing I tell with sports psychologists and doctors and all this. Most of my clients that call me, man, have already seen all that. And it didn't work because it wasn't an issue with whether they were focused or not. It was an issue of did they did they understand how they executed their pitches? And so when we get to that point of it, I think there's a role for all of us. Don't get me wrong. 
But at the same time, the key component of it is, is do these kids intellectually understand why they do what they do and how they do it? Now it can go manifest itself in a real game. It can turn into competitiveness. It can turn into all of that. But the, again, man, it's what we referred to earlier. The biggest problem is, is coaches want to win games. And so when they're in the middle of a game and they see a kid struggling, they're going to make some physical change to that kid. They're going to suggest some physical change. 99% of the time, that's not the problem. And so that kid's going to go try to do it because that's what the coach told him to do. And so that's just the human nature, like you said, of baseball, man. It is what it is. But at the same time, the, the only way we can kind of flip that mindset is if coaches and the baseball guys honestly go ahead and change the way we practice, man, and really focus on how do we keep these kids individually focused in season. And, and I think that's a, again, man, that's a million dollar question, brother. Okay, cool, man. That was awesome. So we went pretty long here. Why don't you tell them how uh, they can find you and we'll, yeah. we'll close it up. Yeah, man, they can reach me. They can go to start pitching. It's S T A uh, RTT pitching.com or we've we're kicking off a new program with one of my uh, former pro clients Dan Herman man a pitcher match and it's where we're working with parents and the kids to really try to help them build the relationships understand what college coaches are looking for and I call it kind of the anti-recruiting service man where we just kind of go in and and really tell these parents and kids what, what they ought to be looking for and, and how to find the right school. And then go to pitchermatch.com. They can reach me uh, at either one of those places, man. Or again, man, they can comment with you or reach out. And, and that's usually how I uh, have most of the people get a hold of me, man. Okay, man. I appreciate it, Daryl. This is pretty awesome. And uh, yeah, man, we'll, uh, we'll keep, we're going to keep in touch. And hopefully, everybody else uh, got a lot of information out of this. Yeah, Brent, this is a different conversation, brother. I appreciate you, man. All right. Thanks, buddy. Well, great interview. I don't want to make this go any longer. Um, reach out to Daryl. Uh, he's got a lot to offer if you really like what he had to say. I hope you learned a lot from this. Like I said, we complement each other really well with the top velocity programming, which is off-season, preseason, in-season, but really focusing on knowledge of performance, you know, biomechanics, uh, injury pre prevention, performance enhancement. And Daryl really takes it from there and helps you really hone it and develop your pitches and, and, and kind of it's the best of both worlds with what we do. So I'm pretty excited. We're going to keep these uh, podcasts going. If you have any uh, comments on, on who we should bring on, let us know and we'll see you on the flip side.